Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Deliverables, a personal resilience building podcast. I am your host, Chaplain Eric Bryan, and today we're picking up on our conversation discussing resilience with a focus today on some core concepts on resilience. Over the past year, there's been many new words and acronyms added to our society that none of us probably expected. Words like quarantine, stay-at-home notice, ROM, you know, these words refer to that physical isolation one is put in when dealing with COVID-19 processes. You know, such as ROM, it refers to the restriction of movement uh, when you enter a new country, perhaps. It could be 14, 15 days of, you know, not leaving a hotel. Uh, or if you're lucky enough to get the stay-at-home notice, you know, you're just not leaving your house, so at least you have more space to work with. Uh, for most, I'd say it's been manageable. Uh, you figure out a routine, you've been able to stick to it. I've had hundreds of conversations, you know, checking in with folks in their ROM days, and the majority have handled it really well. I remember being with my family for a vacation at a local resort because we couldn't travel anywhere for vacation. We got a nice poolside bungalow, food was delivered right to us, it was right on the beach, so we had kayaks and stand-up paddle boards at our leisure. It was really nice, and we didn't even have to pack because it was only 15 miles from the house. But the resort, the hotel itself, was a quarantine hotel. You know, so on one side you have this nice resort, on the other side you have this restriction, uh, people stuck in their rooms. You know, it's one of those places where when people arrived into the country, you know, it might have been a place where they had to quarantine or rob. At one point during the day, my wife and I noticed about every 15 seconds up on the 11th floor, there was a guy who would walk out on his balcony and then back inside his room, back on his balcony and back inside his room. He was doing laps, <laughs> we suppose, from the door to the balcony. They, that was how much room he had. But he was getting his exercise. And fortunately, you know, he had a balcony that he could get outside and get some fresh air. You know, and he did this for about 30 minutes. Uh, it's pretty, it pretty interesting to see this guy just going back and forth, back and forth. So why share this story? I share this story because when it comes to building resilience, and helping people endure through and learn from adversity, it's almost like people have quarantined their understanding of what it means to be resilient. It's very limited in scope. There's not much room to work with. There's not a whole lot of discussion. But there's a whole other element to resilience that we need to discuss here. We hear so much about being resilient people, but rarely dissect or deconstruct the essential elements involved with resilience. As mentioned before on this podcast, resilience is not just being tough. It includes that element of being tough, but it's more than that. And yes, resilience does mean enduring adversity, but it really means so much more than that also. Now, don't get me wrong. If your definition of resilience includes the idea that we endure adversity, that's great. That's, that's right where I want you to be, but I don't want you to stop there. I want to challenge you to rethink your scope of resilience to include learning from your adversity. That's why in the Deliverables Journal, I wanted you to start with dissecting an adverse time in your life because that is going to point you in the right direction, which is how you made decisions through that time. When we discuss resilience and adversity, I don't want us to minimize the seriousness involved here. Adversity is a challenge. It's a tribulation. There's your million dollar word there. In English, tribulation means a time of great trouble and suffering. 
There are traumatic moments in our lives. Some are accidents. Some are the result of uh, poor judgment. Uh, but being a chaplain, thinking back to seminary and preparing for sermons, uh, even still today, I like to look at the etymology of words, you know, the history of words. And tribulation in Greek is thlipsis, which means a squeezing or a compressing. In Hebrew, it's tribulum, which means a separating or a threshing, almost like a weeding out uh, concept. Just that basic understanding that adversity is not just a matter of making a decision, like deciding what you want out of the vending machine, you know, that's not a normal, difficult, challenging moment where you feel like you're being squeezed or compressed, you know, unless you got a line behind you and people telling you to hurry up. But you get it now, right? Adversity and tribulations are those moments where suffering is real. It's hitting you hard. And the big distinction is it's difficult to know and decide on what to do next. Navigating adversity is really all about making decisions. If you can look back and determine if a decision you made was healthy or not in that time of the adversity, then I believe you're becoming a resilient person. Even if that decision was not healthy, if it was harmful to you or to others around you, but you can see that now and learn from that, you're on the right track. Because learning from those decisions in the past should help make healthier decisions in the future. That's the trade-off involved with decision-making and learning. One way to really capture the fundamental concept of resilience is to utilize the basics of economics. Economics of all things, right? Now, what I am not is an economics major, but the concepts really do speak to me and help provide a structure to being resilient. The most basic element of economics, when anyone talks about economics, the most basic element is scarcity. Scarcity highlights the disparity, if there's any, between the infinite amount of human wants and desires and needs against limited resources. And decision makers have this responsibility to provide and balance these resources for the demand. Think about production. If you have a manufacturing warehouse that can produce cars and trucks, economics will suggest that if you want more cars, you will make less trucks. You make decisions based on the limited resources you have available. There's even a chart called a production possibilities frontier that will show you this exact thing. What it also will reflect is what is called an opportunity cost. An opportunity cost is what I believe to be the most valuable concept in economics. It can be filtered through both macro and microeconomics, doesn't matter. But opportunity cost is determining what must be given up in order to obtain something else. Such as in our example, if you give up making cars, you can make more trucks. If you give up making more trucks, you can make more cars. You know, there, there are some you know, self-sufficient examples, you know, that, and that's it's kind of a weird word. It's called autarky, where there's no trade involved, but it's very kind of rare. Uh, but bringing this back around to resilience, it is important to understand that people make trades all the time with their decisions. How do we spend time with the family? How do we self-care? What's the best next step for our careers? But even throughout the day, we have these trade-offs in our mind with the responses to the decisions that we make. Am I going to get angry? Do I sense a threat between the lines of what I was told? Is there anxiety because the situation may be new or unknown? Or it might be something positive, like is this information rewarding? 
you know, even if it is an unknown. What is happening here is an example of mental and emotional opportunity cost, which as a chaplain, I would also include, you know, the concept of a spiritual opportunity cost. The responses to your decisions are extremely valuable. They reflect the behavior and what you valued, at least in that moment, which can really help you develop a framework for decision making in the future. If you're a leader, and I subscribe to the philosophy that we are all leaders because we at a minimum lead ourselves. If you're a leader, we make decisions that are based on the values we hold dear and trust against the demands of life. In economics, there are supply and demand principles with the market. With us, there are demands for our resources, perhaps time being the biggest of them all, that drive changes to our lives and hopefully for the better. So as we spend time reflecting on our past adversity and learning from it, I want to encourage you to think about what opportunity cost, what trade-offs were made in that adversity, in that tribulation, in that moment you were squeezed or compressed. Would you do anything different? What would separate that decision from the one you would make now? Perhaps you would make the same decision if you were faced with that situation again. But will that be because you learned from the first time and can see that it was the healthiest decision to make? Or is it because our brains are wired to develop habits and routines and make decisions for us? Yep, found in the basal ganglia part of our brain, it programs a default decision into our lives when we face the same thing over and over again. For example, when you drive home from work, it is normally the same route. We don't have to waste brain energy on those decisions. Our opportunity cost, our trade-off decision, says this is the fastest route home and the most rewarding decision to make. Hopefully, talking through some of these concepts here will allow your resilience to not be quarantined when you really need it. I hope that life is manageable for you today. If you're struggling with decisions, please don't hesitate to contact me at msc.deliverables at gmail.com. I'm always here for you to talk with you, be a sounding board for you in your decision-making process. I'm not going to make the decision for you, but I could at least at a minimum help you explore the different possibilities that are out there. Until next time, stay safe.